Forty Going On Fourteen. Hello and welcome to Forty Going On Fourteen. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And for your safety, we are recommending you sit six feet back from your speakers. We tried it the other way with us six feet back from our microphones, but no one could hear us. I can do it just fine. Hey, it's background Phil. He's been social distancing this whole time. I'm ahead of you fuckers on the curve. <laughs> wow, yeah, when when this outbreak gets really, really bad in a couple of weeks, this entire episode is going to be seen as being in very poor taste. <laughs> that's the anticipation. As we are. That, that's the idea. Mm-hmm. God. Yeah, so we actually switched things up. For those of you that are expecting the... High Fidelity Show? High Fidelity Show, yeah. We decided to throw that to the wind. It's been delayed, like literally everything else. Yeah, we are doing the Outbreak versus Contagion Show. Yeah, the High Fidelity Show has been quarantined. Yep. Decided that we were going to uh, get a little, I guess as topical as we can get with this show. But This uh, is incredibly topical. Yeah. Very topical. We are doing Outbreak and Contagion, and we have a pandemic. So stick it up your butt if you want topical. This is it. I'm yep. not asking if they like pandemics. I need something else, guys. I mean, they, like stick, they like sticking things up their butt. You, I gave you that one. And typically topical doesn't mean internal, Patrick, so don't stick it up your butt. Fine, if you like things up your butt. <laughs> and you might like you might like the shows of the podcast collective. <laughs> Such as I am Salt Lake. Up your butt. Anal. Tales from the hard side. Yeah, hard side sphincter. <laughs> Talk Jesus. music to me in my butt, and of course, <laughs> the Red Dead Radio Hour. Wow! <laughs> oh, did not take us long to derail this episode. As a, can you tell we've all been trapped in our houses? <laughs> Poop jokes. Find our shows on the Podcast Collective iTunes Podcast, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse FM, NoonFM.com, and go to Podverse FM. they got a lot of cool stuff going on, and there may be some surprises showing up there soon. Also, if you would like to, we have this new thing on here, so go to our uh, Fortigo 14, and you can help sponsor us. A page called Kofi, K-O-F-I. Buy us a coffee. Help us keep this thing running while all of us are on leave. Yeah, and if you want to interact with us directly, uh, you can find the link to our fans' Discord chat, which uh, has been super active because none of us have anything better to do right now. So yeah, go to the Facebook page and you will find the link to the fans' chat, where uh, people are actually talking pretty regularly. Yeah, it's actually a lot of fun. You can also find us live at the CDC. No, 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 you can't do that. Nope. <laughs> but, they can uh, call us, though. Yeah, and they call us at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. If you're on the Facebook page, you can click and call, too. We are from the future. Joel just thinks it's the Center for Dick Cuddling. (laughs) (laughs) Acronym of the week, early. Might be better than my acronym. (laughs) We'll see. I'm going to dick cuddle. Oh, God, I'm pretty sure it's about that time. I don't know where to take this. Butt stuff? Up the butt? Poop jokes. Hooray! Oh no. Merp. Merp. It would be about that time, but the link isn't working. <laughs> Quickly, Joel. We lost another bot. This week in. There we go. This week in. Music. Movies. 
and TV. <laughs> Topical. So this week we're going with March 10th, 1995, the release of Outbreak. All right. So music. The number one song in the land was Take a Bow by Madonna. Do I know that song? Yes. Yeah, it's a very slow modeling song. I'm pretty sure that show's come up before in this weekend, and we all think that we don't know it. And then Pat insists we do, and then we play it, and we're all like, oh. Yeah, yeah go back and is, listen to that show. That has definitely happened. <laughs> yeah, that, that's one you would know if you heard it. Delroy George Wilson was a Jamaican ska, rock steady, and reggae singer, having first found success as a teenager. Delroy Wilson died at the age of 46 on March 6, 1995, at Kingston's UWI Hospital of complications from cirrhosis of the liver. His son, Carl Conan Wilson, has found success as part of the British duo Crepton Conan. I think we're about time for another uh, ska revival. Fourth wave? Yeah. We need some more happy music. Go get some Save Ferris. Go get some uh, Deftones. Deftones? Yeah. I think he means Mighty Mighty Boston's. Mighty Mighty Boston's. Oh. oh, I thought he meant Def Jam. No. We're getting further away, I think. You ain't further away. <laughs> uh, Ingo? It's not an Ingo. That's the word you're having trouble with on this? Ingo. Yeah, Ingo. Ingo, Mr. Smile Schwichtenberg, was a German drummer and one of the founding members of German power metal band Halloween. Schwichtenberg was famous for his high-energy drumming, which earned him his nickname because he often appeared to be cheerful and smiling. What nickname? Mr. Mr. Smile, you read it. Oh, Jesus. Schwichtenberg was fired from the band in 1993 during a tour as he was apparently somewhat dissatisfied with the direction of the band, even going as far to refer to their song from the Chameleon album Windmill as Shitmill. After his ejection from the band, Schwichtenberg slid further and further into his schizophrenic episodes, culminating in his suicide on March 8th by jumping in front of the estr. Holy shit, dude. Whoa. <laughs> I fucking knew Joel was going to get into that one, and then it was going to end badly. <laughs> I always do, and then I'm like, I made a poor decision. <laughs> I'm describing this way too happily. He's laughing and giggling half a sentence, and oh, he jumped in front of a train. Because he Mr. was schizophrenic. S train, pretty much a subway. Yep. Yikes. Wow. That's got That sucks on so many levels. Well, especially if you're the conductor. And finally, on March 14th, with the release of Me Against the World, Tupac Shakur became the first male solo artist to have a number one album on the American Billboard 200 chart while in prison. The album remained at the top of the charts for four weeks. Hmm. Moving on to movies. The number one movie in the land was Outbreak, which opened at number one this week and stayed at the top for three weeks. Oh, guess what movie knocked it out? Yeah? Come on. Uh, Purell. No, Murder Purell, on the Orient Express. Purell, the movie, 1995. Come on, we've all seen it. Seven. Uh, Eight. No, close. Six. Uh, Tommy Boy. Oh, oh, I wouldn't. That's have close that. to seven. You think that's close to seven? <laughs> yeah. He thinks. Have you seen both of those movies? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I laughed my ass off at both of them. What the hell? <laughs> oh. oh god. All right. How he strapped to a refrigerator. What's in the box? <laughs> All right. Movies released this week included Bye Bye Love, Muriel's Wedding, and the acronym of the week, which is CFTTF, which I'm pretty sure is Colin Farrell tasting toe fungus. 
Everyone's got everyone's got a fetish, I guess. Yeah, yeah. What you gonna do, Joel? You want to tell him what that actually was because he was well, not correct. Yeah, he's not correct. It was Candyman. Farewell to the flesh. I figured you would enjoy introducing that one. That one's listed as a comedy on Amazon. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> I'm serious. Huh. I mean, it's not great. It's the third one. It went. Yeah, so it's almost as good as Tommy Boy. Like when he opens the box, <laughs> Darth Vader's head in there, and he's going, "Look, what?" All right. On March 13th, the Dog Me 95 movement was officially announced in Paris by Danish directors Lars von Trier and Thomas Vinterberg. Farewell to the Flesh was part two. Part three was video. Part two was the last one in the theater. And Lars von Trier is a messed up director. I've seen several of his movies, and they're messed up. What does dog mean? I, I'm going to regret asking this because I know Joel is going to answer. What does dog mean 95? I'm not Googling that. I'm not entirely sure what it was. I literally just cut and paste it. Joel, you got anything for us? Sorry, you broke up. You're asking what dog mean 95 was? Yeah. Uh, it was a filmmaking movement started by Lars von Trier and Thomas Vindenberg in 1990. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I got it. Their rules. Shooting must be done on location without bringing in props or extra sets. Okay. Uh, you can't do po- sound in post-production. Cameras have to be handheld, so you're talking no like fixed cameras. No filters, no optical work, uh, no special lighting, no black and white. It's got to be a color film. No uh, superficial action, so uh, no gunfights, no murders, no messing with time or space. The film takes place in the moment. No genre films, and the director must not be credited. And it has to be shot on 35 millimeter. My God, that sounds awful. Well, one of the movies, I just looked up a list here. One of the movies is called Fuckland. All right, I'm back in. It's Argentinia. Argentinia? Argentinian. Argentinia? Yeah, I'm looking at all 31 Dogme movies, and I don't know any of them. Uh, Mifune and um, uh, Julian Donkey Boy I've heard of, but I've not, I've not actually Mifune, Mifune. Mifune and what, Joel? <laughs> Julian Donkey Boy. I'm sorry I asked. Yeah. TV. Um, top shows in the land are ER, Seinfeld, Friends, Caroline in the City. All were on NBC. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, that whole must-watch TV thing was really working back yeah. then. I got, I got to go home. I got to watch Caroline in the City. Why? Because it's it's must-watch TV. Because because uh, after that is Friends. Mm. I think before that was Friends. After that is Seinfeld. Then shut up. No, after that was ER. Oh my God! Third base. <laughs> <laughs> All right. At the twenty-first People's Choice Awards. Held March 5th at Universal Studios Hollywood in Universal City, California, Tom Hanks and Jodie Foster won in the motion picture categories, and Tim Allen and Roseanne Barr Bar, Roseanne Bar. Bar, won in the television categories. And that is different than Rosie O'Donnell, Joel. Yeah. Roseanne Barr. I didn't say that. That was Mike last week. I wasn't here last week. That was, that was totally you. That was you, 100%. It was me. Shut up. I was didn't... Stop bringing up the past. Yeah, it was me. I didn't say it, but I was thinking it. You said it. I did say it after the fact. I had confessed. <laughs> Jesus Christ, what is happening here? Oh, no. What the hell happened now? And I'm scared to ask and find out more. All right. On March 6th, one of the most infamous daytime talk show incidents of all time was kicked off when, on an episode of The Jenny Jones Show, Scott 
Amarud revealed a crush on his heterosexual friend, Jonathan Schmitz. Schmitz then killed Amarud several days after the show aired. Yikes. Yep. Oh, it was a, it was a whole thing. There was court and trials and all kinds of shit. Yep. One would hope so. Yep. And then Geraldo hit Jenny Jones with a chair. What? He's he's mixing up his, his talk show pop culture. Yeah, it was yeah. Roseanne Boer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and... that. Uh, no, it's okay. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I curb-stopped your joke. It's fine. Oh. I always got to give sh- Joel shit for deciding to go for the joke after the hate crime. But... <laughs> All right, and lastly, in sports, the MLB awarded an expansion franchise to the Tampa Bay Devil Rays on March 9th. And lastly, on March 12th, at the World Ladies Figure Skating Championships in Birmingham, Shen Lu of China won. And at the Men's World Figure Skating Championships, Elvis Stoyaka of Canada won. So it was a very light week. I was going to say, this is a slow week. (laughs) Yeah, light week for the tweets. Except in music. Yep. But that's gonna that's gonna do it. You wanna play us off keyboard, Joel? No, 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 no. So in the year 1995, they said, "You know what we need? We need Dustin Hoffman curing something." Action hero. Action, Dustin Hoffman. Action. Dustin hero. Hoffman, action hero. Yeah. With his two dogs in and jumping through from a helicopter. Yes. Dude, that was probably the most exciting thing. Well, I, I take that back. There's Marathon Man. I'm sure the torture scene was pretty cool. But uh, yeah, Dustin Hoffman in Outbreak 1995. So it's a medical disaster film directed by Wolfgang Peterson and kind of based on the book The Hot Zone, which was written by Richard Richard Preston, starring Dustin Hoffman as Colonel Sam Daniels, Rene Russo as Dr. Roberta Robbie Kio Kio Kia Kia Kio Kia. Anyway, Morgan Freeman. As what Brigadier, is happening? <laughs> Brigadier General Billy Ford, Donald Sutherland as Major General Donald Donnie McClintock, Kevin Spacey as Lieutenant Colonel Casey Schuler, Cuba Gooding Jr. as Major Salt. Someone got the short end of the stick on <laughs> Who are you? You're Salt. What? Major Salt. Major oh, Salt. Major Salty. And Patrick Dempsey as James Jimbo Scott. Did anybody refer to anybody in these as these nicknames? I mean, is there yes. any reason they did? Yeah, Jim, yeah, Jimbo came up a lot. Yeah. Oh, okay. And usually Donnie and everyone was calling the Brigadier General Billy, like both uh, McClintock and uh, Colonel Daniels. Okay. He, he called Donald Sutherland. He called him Donnie a couple times, and, and Dustin Hoffman kept calling her Robbie. Mm, okay. Anyway, so a film focuses on a fictional Ebola like. Uh, Ebola lice, ew, uh, virus in Motaba in Zaire and later in a small town in the United States. Uh, it's mostly set in the Army Medical Research Institute of Infectious Diseases and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in the fictional town of Cedar Creek, California. Speculates on how far military and civilian agencies might go to contain the spread of a de- deadly contagious disease. Or at least Hint, Mar- they would become cartoonishly evil. Yes. <laughs> uh, like this guy really wants to kill this town. <laughs> what does he? Why does he hate this place? The March 10th release uh, was a box office success, and Kevin Spacey won two awards for his performance. Hmm. Uh, at the same time, 
A real-life outbreak of the Ebola virus was occurring in Zaire when the film was released. Yeah, not great timing. Well, it is but and it isn't. It's, it's viral weird. marketing. Ah, oh, damn it, he did the joke. Ah, he did the thing. Um, <laughs> Jesus. That's good. Pat. There you go. All right, so when investigating the village in Zaire, several huts are burnt down. This is the traditional tribal method for the controlling the spread of an infection in many parts of the world, as as it should. People in that hut, yeah, they all got the disease. What are we going to do? Burn it down. Made of grass. We're going to burn it down, as is tradition. <laughs> Food and water are left outside the entrance to the dwelling, and the occupants cannot leave. for If several days, usually three or four of these supplies are not used, then the dwelling is burned down to stop the infection. Yeah. At least they have a process. Damn. I know, right? This is the way. Uh, Betsy, the white-headed capuchin monkey, also appeared on Friends as Marcel, Ross's pet. The monkey's role in this movie was spoofed by a poster showing Marcel as the star of the fictional movie Outbreak 2, The Virus Takes Manhattan. This movie and Friends were both Warner Brothers productions. And I don't know if you guys uh, remember a couple episodes back when we talked about doing this and I mentioned that this is one of my favorite movie trivia things. Is the first star? I always phrase it as who was the first star of Friends to be in a number one movie in Hollywood. Uh, yep, Marcel. It was the monkey, a capuchin yep. monkey, capuchin. Uh, also, Danny Glover was considered to play Brigadier General Billy Ford. It's interesting watching this movie during an actual pandemic. Because, like, we're making jokes about it, hoping to bring people some laughs. But, like, we've all had information about an actual pandemic, like, thrust into our faces at all time. And, like, I'm watching this, and it's just like, yeah, that's wrong. That's that's not how that works. Mm-hmm. If if this thing, like, spreads super fast but kills its host. Like, there's one moment where Morgan Freeman, his character, uh, Billy Ford, says, well, if it kills its host real fast, it's going to burn itself out. It's like, yes, that is exactly how it works, and it's the opposite of what we're facing now. Yep. Well, and I think this is why I did not like this movie, was I read the Richard Preston book, The Hot Zone, and Cobra Event, I think was the second book, and I was reading this when I was in college, actually, when we were still living on the uh, the dorm. I would read it on my breaks when I was working for housekeeping. And the book scared the shit out of me. Like, I was like, holy shit, this is terrifying if this gets out. And then I saw the movie and I was like, what the fuck was that? It was like they turned it into an action bad guy thriller as if the virus wasn't bad enough. You had to have a bad guy. And I was like, yeah. I don't hate this movie as much as you did, but I definitely had some problems with it just on a level where I it strained credibility for what was going on, how they're reacting to what was going on. And like you say, they, they staple on the bad guys. Yeah, it almost seems like Donald Sutherland was maybe even like a, a secondary idea. Can't just have them fighting the virus. We got to have some sort of military presence. We needed would they needed like the face of an evil dude in this to make it to make their plot line run. But they could they honestly could have done just done the whole thing about how a small town would react to being, you know, locked in while they're all dealing with the virus. Yeah, the helicopter chase scene um, to fast forward through the movie a little bit, but was completely unnecessary, superfluous, ridiculous and just bad. Oh, where they blew up the pickup truck with. Yeah. No, no, no. The actual chasing once they had, oh, once they had finally got 
patient zero and you know they were coming him and Cuba and then the two attack helicopters came after him. Yeah, yeah. Ridiculous. And the fact that they only had four hundred miles worth of gas in there and they went way more than four hundred miles. Well, four hundred Hollywood miles. Well, yeah. That's that's like three real miles. <laughs> it's like you, you can get to, you can get to the moon on four hundred Hollywood miles. Oh yeah, and the idea that like he couldn't bury his own failures if they just like cured the whole town. It's like, right? dude, yeah, the town had to die for everything to be buried. Yeah, because if they'd been cured, no one. I, I mean, yeah, maybe Daniels is still a problem, but it's much easier to shoot him than to shoot a town. Yeah, right. It was so ridiculous. Like he just the town just had to be blown up no matter what for the cover up to work. Like once you have the cure, you know, pretty much everybody's going to stop delving into all this shit. If you blow up a whole town, you better believe for decades, people are going to be writing stories about this. <laughs> like, I just see if they're like, Oh, we have a cure. Oh man. I'm glad that's what the hell was that? <laughs> Somebody go check that out, man. That whole town just burst into flames. Yeah. And Pat makes a good point is if you want to not draw attention to something that will put you in jail forever, massacring an American town is not the way to, like, not have the press go over every inch of what you did. Right. You don't exclude the prying eyes by destroying an American town. Uh, I also took a little bit of an issue with the character assassination in the last moments of Kevin Spacey's character's life. Like, he's this consummate pro. He's a badass. He makes a mistake because he's overtired. That's fine. But instead of going, fuck, I have a rip in my suit, isolate me immediately, like literally every healthcare worker would do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He covers it up and makes bad jokes and, and exposes everybody else to the virus. Yeah. Suddenly he's the shitty guy with the zombie bite, hiding it in the middle of the safe place. Completely, yeah, antithetical to his character. Yeah, I ha- I hate it when they do that flip-flop and that sort of thing, especially in these in these roles where it's... When, and when you have a character like him that is 100% all business. Right. He, he went from being this awesome character to being Kevin Spacey. Mm-hmm. Oh, yikes. <laughs> <laughs> What's in the suit? Ouch. Yeah. Boom. Roasted. Need some ice for that burn. On one side of it, I want to be like, oh, Dustin Hoffman. He's not the hero that's going to be jumping out of helicopters. All right. Yeah, he's not. But he jumped like... 10 feet you know he jumped yeah and he was kind of fun to watch that's the thing is like when i got to the end of this like uh, until i'd thought about it some more and looked at all of the things they got wrong my initial reaction was this was the okayest outbreak movie ever mm-hmm. yeah i mean and that's the thing is like his character though jumping out of the helicopter and all that stuff he kind of stayed true to the theme of his character is that he wants to stop this thing. He is 100% on doing that. And if it takes him having to fly, you know, 400 you know, Hollywood <laughs> miles out into the middle of the ocean to look at someone's bunk bed, you know, he would, I think that that character would do it. Now, I'm trying to figure out if there's somebody else who might be better than Dustin Hoffman for this role, but it's who, it's who he had at the time, I guess, maybe. Like, yeah, his well, casting was all right. I liked Renee Russo. No, she was good. Did anybody want Cuba Gooding Jr. to shoot the little girl? A little bit. <laughs> just just to go, oh, he Come missed. on, Betsy! <laughs> Betsy! Yeah, just put an extra dart in the gun. One for each of them. <laughs> thump, thump. Hey, as soon as she gets in the way, just take her down, and then the monkey's right there. 
And what, what was up with the mom in the house? I know they were trying to give us a character to follow that was going through it, but she was never resolved, was she? Oh, the the one with the two kids. Uh, I mean, she died, right? Yeah. Yeah, they showed her dead. I mean, that was pretty much, oh. I think it was just the idea of showing a, this is, you know, this is your everyday person. This is what's happening and, oh, yeah, and right. dead. I Wait, forgot she died. Which mom? The one with the two kids where the girl tried to get up and hug her goodbye and they're like, no, no, you can't touch her. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, well, they. I'll be back in a couple hours. No, you won't. And they let us on on that one. I was expecting so much more from it because they're like, did you also notice that she was the only one that packed anything? Because she had hope and hope is evil. That's the that's the lesson learned here. You heard it from us first. Hope springs eternal. As you sit in your quarantine, hope is evil. Yeah. <laughs> Way to bring the people what they need, Pat. <laughs> Have no hope in this time of troubles. <sighs> well, when he was going through and he's like, they're, you know, infected, infected. I thought he was going to get to her slide and be like, huh, she's not infected. And they're like, oh, she's got the, you know. Whatever she's our she's our savior, whatever, blah yeah, blah. The antivirus. Right. Well, I mean, I will admit that that was a nice thing that they didn't do the Hollywood thing on that because that that is exactly what I thought was coming too. It's like everyone is affected, and like, oh my god! As soon as they said that, I immediately found the one that isn't, and it didn't do that. So that was kind of nice. Yeah, they went with the uh, much more realistic tack of oh. being able to track down a particular monkey in the middle of the woods. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's. <laughs> I mean, I've never been able to find a particular one. I always have to go with whichever one I can find. Yeah, but you're using them for different reasons. I always look for the thickest monkey, but you just got to take whichever one you can find. <laughs> and what was up with, with Jimbo showing up at the airport and his girlfriend's like, oh, my God, I missed you. Jeez, you look like shit. Let me French kiss you. <laughs> yeah, you look, like, you look like you're dying. Let's make out hardcore. Okay. Right? I know absolutely my wife at that point. If I came off the plane looking like that, she'd be like, yeah, here, get in this plastic bag. I want nothing to do with you. But let's let's face it. Susie is definitely not the kind of woman that would be dating Jimbo. No, she is not. And I think I, I, I like to think that if it came down to it, she would be one of the survivors. Because she'd be like, fuck it, duct tape the doors. You ain't coming in, Mike. Dr. McDreamy went to Dr. McMelty. Melt? What? It's a Grey's Anatomy thing. I could go for a McMelty. <laughs> Sounds good, right? Now with more Capuchin Monkey. Mm. Mm, capuchin. Yeah. This just uh, was such a over-the-top Hollywood typical 90s movie. I don't know. Yeah. I just... See, I don't think this movie deserves the hate that you give it. It's definitely I... not like high cinema. I'm not going to say that. But it's not like some... Dog-ass star crash, you know, oh, Michael Bay made a movie and tried to talk about, you know, science. I mean, it's there's some, it may not be as good as the book, but there's some, you know, validity to it. It's I honestly like think it. that Joel does not get to call what is a good or good, not a good movie. Well, I mean, this is not a good movie. No, I, but it, I, I, I agree it's better than he thought it was, but like, I'm going to spoil a little bit of my opinions on the second half. Like, I was satisfied with this movie until I saw the newer one. And then w in comparison, yeah, it knocked itself down a bunch of notches. Yeah, I just think it 1995 theater. I mean, it, they weren't really going for realism in this one. They were going for the edge of your seat oh ooh, cool let's throw a helicopter chase in there too oh yeah let's do that that would be totally cool because you know cuba gurning jr totally buys it as a guy who can do a 360 loop in a helicopter which i don't even think that's is that even physically possible to do what he did in the helicopter i mean i buy it more than cuba gurning jr being a scientist 
got me there. I don't know. This was like the Twister of viral outbreak movies. I mean, Twister was more entertaining, but it was like the fast food version of what we're going to talk about in the second half. I have no issue with that statement. Like, like I said, I, I think you hate it a little bit more than it deserves. But I mean, if I were a fan of the book, I might be in the same place. I just I love that book so much. And it, like I said, it literally scared me crazy. The, the movie's not like the book, though. I mean, they just loosely take the, you know, the whole Ebola thing and turn it into a whatever this was. Gotta love yourself an Ebola monkey. Not at a close distance, though. Maybe there's all the things uh, we uh, some of us watched a YouTube video that talked about like all the things uh, pandemic movies get wrong about pandemics. And oh, my God, did they tear into this one? Like uh, down to the fact that the monkey was from the wrong continent. Oh, come on. I mean, I'm all for realism, but in some movies you got to be like, it's a monkey. (laughs) I mean, it's a specific monkey that could not have been found anywhere in Africa was one of. And I guess it's a little nitpicky especially as compared to a lot of the other things, like walking directly from an area where people are dying from uh, an infectious disease directly into a ward with other people without sanitizing yourself. That's a little bit bigger deal. That is a bigger deal. Why did they insist on using a capuchin monkey, though, I wonder? I wonder what the the decision was. I think it's because they're easy to train. Must be. Or because they already had Marcel, it was the same studio, they had a trained monkey. Hey, let's use the monkey we already got trained. We don't need to train another one. But he's from the wrong continent. Hey, somebody get Johnson the fuck out of here. Are you eating monkey now, Patrick? He sounds like he's eating a jar of peanut butter. <laughs> no, he's like, I was in the middle of eating a piece of beef jerky when that when you guys said that and I had to comment. Sorry. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to eat some capuchin monkey, you know? <laughs> you got capuchin jerky? Where the hell did you get capuchin jerky in this time? Not from Africa, yeah. <laughs> I got a capuchin guy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, if we're down to monkey jerky, I think we can go to the break. Capuchin, <laughs> capuchin rider. That's your new venture. Uh, uh, yeah. As as we watch Patrick uh, munch on his capuchin. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> We're going to be back in a little bit, and we are going to be talking about Contignan, Contigigan. What? Gun. Capuchia. I completely forgot how to say that word. Contagion. Contagion. Capuchian. Capuchian Contagion. <laughs> we'll be back in a little bit. Some Contagion jerky. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. No? Too soon? Yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, 2011, Contagion came out and did a little bit more realistic uh, look at what could possibly happen if a uh, pandemic hits. Healthcare professionals, government officials, and everyday people find themselves in the midst of a pandemic as the CDC works to find a cure. This is directed by Steven Soderbergh, writing by Scott Z. Burns. Steven Soderbergh, if you don't remember him, imagine a movie where you finished watching it and you were like, what the hell just happened? If it wasn't, uh, oh, what's his name from Twin Peaks? David Lynch? If it's not David Lynch, it could be David Soderbergh. Could David be David uh, Soderbergh? Steven, Steven. David Steven Soderbergh. <laughs> Mark, Mark David Chapman. Yes. Who, uh, 1989, his, his <laughs> Sex Lies and Videotape. Yep. 
Yep, that came out. I remember that because I was working at the video store when that came out, and my mother heard about this movie, and she's like, can you bring that home for me to watch? I think I want to watch this movie. And I'm like, you don't really want to watch this movie. No, I think I do. And then I gave it to her, and... You brought your mom porn. Yeah, it's I did. Not, there's... He also did Ocean's Eleven. I was going to say, yeah, aside from maybe Sex, Lies, and Videotape, I don't consider Ocean's Eleven or Aaron Brockovich particularly, like, difficult mindfuck movies. Or, uh... Oh, what was the one? Out of Sight? Traffic? What's the the one with Channing Tatum? Oh, Uh, Magic Mike? Oh, yeah. That too, but the other one. This is the end. The Good Verdict. It is the one with Channing Tatum. The Informant. It's a heist movie. Uh, Aaron Brockovich. Lucky something. Grey's Anatomy. 21 Jump Street. King of the Hill. Oh, Logan Lucky. Logan Cat Lucky. Yeah, oh, I want to see that. Lucky number 11. It's awesome. It's so funny. Cool. Adam Driver is, is really good in that. Nice. Sorry. That's sort of weird. It's also written by Scott Z. Burns, who, uh, outside of this, did The Bourne Ultimatum and the screenplay for something called The Laundromat that came out last year, starring Gary Oldman, Antonio Banderas, and A.J. Meyer, hmm. and Meryl Streep. Huh. Okay, put that on the list. Uh, starring, very briefly, Gwyneth Paltrow as Beth Emhoff, Matt Damon as Mitch Emhoff, Lawrence Fishburne as Dr. Ellis Cheever, John Hawks as Roger, Jude Law as Alan Crumweed, otherwise known as the Internet, <laughs> Marion Cotlard as... <laughs> thank you, I'm glad you like that. Uh, Dr. Leonara Orantes. Yeah, yeah, Marion Cotillard. Yeah, Cotillard. not, not Cotillard. Cotillard. <laughs> Coitlard. Oh, it's Coitillard. Mar- Marlon Cotillard. <laughs> Marlon Cotillard. <laughs> Dr. Aaron Mears, Kate Winslet. Jennifer L. is Dr. Ellie Hextall. Dimitri Martin is Dr. Dimitri what? Martin? Where did that come from? Right? I know, right? Laura and I were watching it. I'm like, that looks like Dimitri Martin. She looks at it on her phone. She's like, it is. I'm like, holy crap. I had almost the exact same. <laughs> I was like, that looks like Dimitri Martin. Pause. <laughs> Love that bowl haircut, and he was kind of like he was kind of a hero in this one too. He was unsung. Elliot Gould, being very Elliot Gouldy as Doctor Ian Sussman. <laughs> uh, You're being very Gouldy. Well, I'll save my comment on Elliot Gould. Uh, Enrico Colanzo. Colanzo. Colon Tony. Colon Tony. Colanzo. Uh, oh, I would. Oh, Palazzo was. I screwed it up. <laughs> Enrico. I, when you paused, I was like, I, I tried to do the naked joke on oh, naked that is joke. French. Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo. <laughs> uh, Brian I Cranston. The, I screwed the name up. Damn it. As Lyle Haggerty. So some trivia on this one. Kate Winslet filmed her role in ten days. Damn. Neat. To promote this film, Warner Brothers Pictures Canada built two giant petri dishes treated with bacteria and fungi, and then set them in a Toronto storefront window. After several days, the bacteria and fungi specimens grew to spell out the name of the film and form the biohazard symbol. Huh. Well, cool. I mean, I'm sure that they were types that were not typically uh, harmful to humans, and they were almost certainly sealed. Oh, yeah. Just Staphylococcus or something like that. <laughs> no big deal. There you go, Patrick. There's your viral marketing joke. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the COVID-19 outbreak in spring 2020 sparked a renewed interest in this film, sending it to the top of the iTunes rental charts. Yeah, that that was a new trivia that popped up in there, and I was like, that's top. iTunes rental charts. Well, if you look at Netflix's you know, most popular films right now, Outbreak is like number one. Mm-hmm. Next to that pandemic series. 
which I uh, got through an episode and I couldn't watch it. It was too too hitting too close to home. People are doing all right. I mean, the number one movie right now for iTunes is Jumanji, followed by Rise of Skywalker, and then this one. Yeah, those two just dropped. Well, I mean, what's going on now is also kind of like Jumanji. Yeah. Yeah. I can see why they're watching Jumanji. It feels like someone is playing it. Right. Marion Cotlard. <laughs> what's Marlon Collard. Oh, yeah. Marion Collard Greens uh, was six months pregnant when she finished shooting her scenes. In the magazine New Scientist article, Contingent Doesn't Skimp on Science, the author writes that it's hard to name many Hollywood blockbusters that are as invested in the realities of science as this movie. So good on them. For as action-y and as wackadoodle as the previous movie was, as Outbreak was, this was completely the opposite. Yes. Yeah, I was uh, deeply uncomfortable uh, at many moments watching this film. Mm-hmm. A lot of it had to do for me with the, was the music. Yeah. The music was really good at putting me on edge. And then I was like, oh, Brian Cranston, everything's going to be all right. Well, and I think this movie locked me in when right in the opening moments, it's like nobody has you're the big celebrity protection. When right. Gwyneth Paltrow's dead in the first 10 minutes, it's like, holy shit. Okay. And, Anything and the, could happen. And then they kill the son. The, the yeah, kid's little son. Holy crap. Yeah. Shit, they're not fucking around. <laughs> and I'm just going to say if Gwyneth Paltrow had used any of her industry items like the crystals or the <laughs> empire repellent that goop sells which I, I the fact that she's patient zero in this i found rather ironically funny considering what she's doing now am i the only one that knows this oh no i'm familiar with goop and their vagina candles yeah yes okay i've got two you've got two vagina candles or two vaginas no he's two got two goops candles. <laughs> I've got Gupta's. It's the plural. So is this first? <laughs> first Even more than one goop, it's a Gupta. What the hell is this? I'm sorry. I, I went down a rabbit hole. I actually went on oh, Gupta.com. Oh, speaking of Gupta, uh, they actually had Dr. Gupta from CNN, the actual pandemic expert who is on the news like 18 hours a day now. He was in this movie. Really? Yes. They're, the scene where... Uh, Lawrence Fishburne, Dr. Cheever, is being interviewed, and he gets ambushed by Jude Law's character. He's being interviewed by the actual pandemic expert at CNN, who is on the news today, probably right now. So <laughs> that dude on the park bench with him? No, 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 no. He's talking about no, 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 no. The, the oh. Indian guy. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. When he was on TV being interviewed. When he was on TV. Got it. Got it. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I've been watching a lot of the news lately, as you do. And I was like, holy shit, that's really him. It's cool that you noticed that. I dig it. When I, I did when, not notice that. Yeah, th this movie, especially after watching the other one. Oh, you were asking about if, uh, if we've seen this. Yeah, this is actually the second time I've seen this. Oh, first time for me. Really enjoyed it. It's oft, not often that they have one of these movies where you're like, holy shit, this can totally happen. But I, okay, as much as I joke about Gwyneth Paltrow you know, being patient zero and the world ends because of Gwyneth Paltrow, which can still be a thing. Just tossing that out there. And nobody did anything that was Hollywood. Crazy pants. Right, right. Nobody went on a, a helicopter chase. Right. The few things that people did that were suspect are things that we are seeing people do now. 
like uh, the crazy lady. It's like, whose budget is this coming out of? And oh, uh, my God, I hated that woman. I, I mean, basically, you are hearing people say shit like what she was saying daily now. Mm hmm. I mean, the closest you get to anything like Outbreak is the scene where she injects herself. But I could see somebody doing that if this here, if, you know, things are that dire. I mean, what's one person? They give a good explanation for it also because they're like, you know, oh, my God, why would she do this? And you meet her father and you're like, oh, her father was a doctor who worked in his clinic until he finally gave out to try and cure people. And okay. told her a story about a medical hero who did the same thing. Yeah, exactly. And totally I, and, legit. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, I buy it. And initially, I was like, no, nobody would do that. But then you find out that even that little bit of a graham cracker of her backstory, and you're like, yeah, no, I buy it. It works. And um, you didn't have to have her whole backstory even to believe it. And that was one of the nice things about it. You know, mm -hmm. I think one of the things that I thought he did really well with this was the fact that he was telling you what day it was. And it shows exactly how quickly this kind of thing can become out of control and how, you know, we're not prepared for it. And we're finding out now that we're maybe not as prepared as we should be. Well, I, I think we're a little bit more prepared than this movie played us out to be. I'm not sure I agree. Now, well, nobody's breaking into banks and tearing. Oh, sure. But yeah, but this thing, as presented in the movie, was 10 times deadlier than COVID-19. Oh, yeah, 100%. I agree with you on that. I mean, if there were if there was something of this imminence happening to people right now, I'd be boarding up the windows. Yeah, I'd be calling you guys and be like, let's all, you know, we'll, we'll survive together. Let's all hole up together in the same place, you know. That's and right. the disease in this movie also seemed to target you regardless of what age you are. Yeah. Right. Because that's always been my biggest concern with this whole thing is that you're going to get somebody who takes it a little too far and the mob mentality is going to kick in and we're going to end up with, you know, martial law or people breaking into stores or houses to try and get stuff because there's such a short supply of things. But luckily so far, you know, everything's been handled really well, I think. And it's kept that kind of stuff under control, at least as of right now. Yeah. I mean, the most I've seen right now with everything going on has been longer lines at the grocery store. Well, yeah, and it hasn't hit the healthcare system yet, but I don't expect that we're going to see supply chains entirely break down to the point where people are looting to survive like it's a zombie apocalypse. I was informed by my mom that uh, she got insider information that locally where she's at that, you know, the dairy producers were going to be shutting down in the area for two weeks. And so there was going to be no milk or cheese other than what was left. So, you know, we could still see some things like that happen. But um, I think the biggest impact we're seeing outside of, you know, the people that are most likely to be affected by it is the financial impact, which I, I don't know that they really played into that in this because it wasn't really necessary for the story so much. But it's a weird side effect that I wouldn't have thought of, you know, other than living it now. And this uh, progresses so fast that by the time listeners uh, hit this episode, there's a good chance that they're going to have a better idea listening to the show of what it looks like than we do now recording it. Mm -hmm. I mean, even this moves fast. Yeah. I, I also want to toss this out here is now is like a terrible time to have seasonal allergies because yeah. everyone thinks you're patient zero when you go out. Yeah, we were out to dinner about four or five days ago, and my mom started coughing really bad. She had something stuck in her throat, and I'm like, uh, Mom, stop. You're going to get a shot. <laughs> <laughs>
She's not sick. She's just she's just <laughs> she's so just choking. Well, and that's the thing is to the future people who are listening to this, it's uh, important. I want to underline. Yeah, we've been joking a lot, and it's not that we don't take this seriously. By God, take this shit seriously. Oh yeah, I mean myself. I mean I I have a high risk person in my home. I mean, like my daughter and I went to the went to the grocery store today, and I'm not joking. I had her put on a carbon filter mask you know, gloves, and I had a bottle of hand sanitizer in my pocket because I just don't, I mean, it's not something you want to deal with. It's not something you even want to want to attempt in this situation. But the thing is, I'm not seeing this end, this end of the world type stuff that I've been seeing, like when they're breaking down, when they, when they run out of MREs and that sort of thing. I went to the grocery store and they're, the, the, the grocery store up by me and the, the Woodman's and the Aldi are, they're full. Yeah, well, the panic buying is mostly subsided by now. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to toss this one out here. Also, Costco, good on you. No returns on toilet paper, bottled water, Lysol. And there's like a bunch of other things, like maybe six or seven things. that They're like, yeah, we're not taking that back. You got to sit on the six cases of toilet paper that you bought. Yeah, Uh, for sure. It's like that story of that guy that bought all the hand sanitizer and can't get rid of it. Oh, my God. Fuck that guy. I mean, that guy kind of reminds me of Jude Law's character in this, someone who just sees an opportunity to turn a quick profit. Mm -hmm. And his one of the things I really liked about this film is that it doesn't insult your intelligence. It leaves some stuff for you to figure out. And like as soon as you see him walking around in his homemade suit, you can tell he's full of shit. He never had it. Uh-huh. I also appreciate that Marianne Cotillard's character, like they don't just tell you that she's gone Stockholm syndrome and is going to run back with the real virus. Like you see her run away and they just leave that to you to figure out on your own. Yeah. Now, Patrick, you haven't said much. What's your, uh, what's your take? There ha- just hasn't been much to say. I mean, you guys are pretty good. I didn't want to interrupt you. I mean, I enjoyed this movie. It was really well done. Well acted. A lot of good stuff about it. Um, I had mentioned earlier there was something about uh, Elliot Gould's character, and I don't know what it was. Is something about the way he told he told his assistant, you know, I don't know, I'm going to go ahead and and get rid of these. I don't know why I thought he was going to do what they had kind of foreshadowed earlier and talking about somebody, you know, walking through the streets uh, like the the Grim Reaper just spreading the disease everywhere. I thought that's what he was going to do. Oh, that he was going to flip out. Yeah. Well, that would have been the Hollywood thing to do is for him to either decide to use it as a weapon or to uh, accidentally fuck up and then infect a bunch of people like Resident Evil. Right. Like, like, you know, exactly like they didn't want to happen, you know, and, and then but I was I was happy they didn't do that. I was happy they didn't go with like the, uh, some kind of really Hollywoody type of thing. Yeah. You had two people disobeying specific orders that basically saved the world. And it wasn't like this one Dustin Hoffman guy who constantly disobeys orders and still ends up not shot at the end of the movie. Right. These are two very specific instances where they rolled the dice and they it came up. Mm-hmm. They, they got their number. See, and I thought Doctor he was going to do what Doctor Haxtell did, and he was going to figure out a cure. Well, and that's another place they get the science right. Is it's not one doctor in a lab who figures out a cure. It's a series of breakthroughs that lead to a vaccine that you hope isn't going to kill people in ten years. Right. Right. Now, can we talk about just for a moment? The, the 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 days, the numbering, counting off, you know, exactly what's going on throughout the film and, and the timeline. And then they're, you know, they're constantly doing their kind of forensic chasing of, you know, where did this all start? And then you finally get the payoff at the end. 
Oh, yeah, all all of the casino surveillance tapes things, going back and watching what Gwyneth Paltrow was doing. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just going to say it was it was kind of brilliant that, you know, in the last five minutes of the film, not even, you get a series of basically like three shots and you've figured out where it all started. Yeah, it was it was it was well done. Just you know, and then boom, day one, and that's how the movie ends. Was that casino stuff? Were you going to say was it realistic or unrealistic? Oh no, I was just going to say talking about how it was just really well done. Like the whole like they're watching everything is going on, and and the payoff was so good when it finally went down to day one, and you're like you see exactly this is the pig, this is the bat, this is everything. Wow. Boom, 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 and then he didn't wash his hands, and boom, you know, there, there you go. go, the the handshake that killed 25 million people. Yeah, I mean the. The other thing that I liked about it was when they found the cure. I mean, initially I was like, oh, shit, they found the cure. There's going to be run. I mean, especially when that group of guys busted into Lawrence Fishburne's house and they're like, he's, you know, he's with the CDC. He's going to have it here. He's going to get it first. You know, and those guys busted in there. I was expecting 100 percent of the time of his wife to be dead every single time he went home. Like, for sure. They didn't touch me. You know, they didn't touch me. I was like, oh, she's lying. I will say the one thing that didn't make sense to me at all was, you know, he got his vaccine and then he went to the, the to the janitor's house and gave his vaccine to the boy. And then he has the, the bracelet walking around saying that he has a vaccine. He doesn't have it. So he could just be walking around just being another patient zero again. I think he, uh, there's a couple things at play there. One, he is suffering from guilt at letting Kate Winslet's character die and not being able to save her. Right. At his mistakes that are going to put him up against congressional record. And really, the janitor guy, when he looked at him and said, you know, I got people, too. We all got people. He felt guilty. And he was just this. This is his way to pay off his sins is to save this one little guy's kid. Mm hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I think I don't think he puts the bracelet on and walks out. I think he turns himself in and maybe he catches the disease and dies from it. Yeah, they don't ever really tell you specifically, but I I, I agree with you, Pat. But I, you know, it. it but that, w- that was the one moment in the movie where I was like, oh, that's some Hollywood BS. It Well, I mean, I think by the end of it, I mean, this whole sh- this whole movie was so intense with everything. Because like when Kate Winslet died, that was a shock to me. Like, For sure. She was set up to be the secondary hero. I yeah. know, I know. I was like, when when she did the when the, when she did the whole thing where she like pushed her coat off to the guy that who was saying he was so freezing cold. I'm like, oh man, this is gonna be. Well, nope, there she is. She's in a bag. I guess that's over. Yep, uh, they did a lot of that this movie. Yeah, and that's I what what you guys said earlier on was nobody had plot armor in this one. Yeah, I respect the hell out of this movie. This is a it, it was uncomfortable to watch. I was edge of my seat and kind of squishy the whole time because this is kind of what we're living right now to a much lesser extent but this i'm so glad i watched this film yeah yeah i I, i'm glad we did this and i'm glad that you guys picked this film and in retrospect you know as much as i'd like to watch the other one that we had as a choice at some point the two of them back to back were kind of interesting bookends because the first one is the the bad way to do a virus movie this was the right way well and if you've never seen the andromeda strain I have seen it. it. It is even comically more inaccurate. It is schlocky 60s sci-fi that I, I don't think anyone even spoke to uh, a disease expert or even a doctor when making that film. Yeah. I And I don't think the other one... So Joel will love it, in other words. <laughs> and And I don't want to say that Outbreak was the wrong way to make a disease movie. 
it was just a it was more of a cotton candy way to do it. This one was it it, it wasn't an action action movie. This was a holy shit this could happen type of movie. Well, and they uh, they consulted with a bunch of doctors in making this, including Dr. Sanjay Gupta. In addition to like being on CNN today and being in this movie playing himself, he helped them with this film. Yeah, and that's you know, and it's great to have people in that. If you're looking to make a movie that's realistic and what makes people go, "Holy crap, that's great!" If you want to make Dustin Hoffman into this this hero for it, then you've got the other one. Well, I feel that the other one. That outbreak wasn't nearly as didn't have the gravitas of this. It was still honestly a f- f- fun movie to watch. Sure, it was entertaining. I will say this though that uh, I rented Contagion. Had I watched Contagion for free and then paid four bucks to see Outbreak, I would have felt ripped off. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird watching this movie because this this was one of the first times where I've sat down during a movie and went holy shit we're living this right now you see movies and and okay maybe there's you know like the ones on 9-11 or things like that but those are more focused on specific events that happened and you know we we saw that happen but we saw it from a distance this is happening right now and we're all in the middle of it like you can't like i can drive to another state but i'm not going to get away from this you know there's there's only one way through that and it's just to go straight through and seeing the movie it's like Okay, because after we finished it, I, I turned to Laura and I'm like, you know, maybe things aren't quite as bad as, as they seem because, you know, it's not this where people are dying. I mean, they are dying, but, you know, I mean, they're not dying in this horrible way and it's not such a high fatality rate. Right. Right. We don't have but, mass graves at the moment. Yeah. we're Right. Oh, my God. That was horrible when they threw her into that lime covered grave. And just to just to put a little bit of point on this one, I mean. At the point where we are dealing with a coronavirus at this at this point when we're recording this right now, China has or Wuhan has shut down their emergency hospitals. We have vaccines being made right now. Yeah, and it'll be interesting. I still think this is going to be a turning point in world history. Things have to be. There's no going back to the way things were before. Not not completely. No, there's no. Just we just have to have contingency plans in place for viral outbreaks. I mean, it's just you can't just be like as soon as something happens, be like, all right, well, let's assemble everybody. It's like, no, you kind of need to be ready before it happens because mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. every hour counts. And we may not know. Uh, hell, listeners listening to this may not know yet if in a couple of months, if there's going to be another wave of outbreaks back in China and the places that are starting to calm down now. Right, and if by chance society crumbles and this is being listened to by scientists discovering what happened in 2020 a hundred years from now we were like the most popular thing on the planet (laughs) seriously we had millions of listeners people did what you know we were like complete on a hundred percent like 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 better than god type of thing mike they're gonna go back to the peter pan show and know you're full of shit oh shit Uh, joe rogan was our lead-in (laughs) <laughs> well, and you talk about how it's a turning point. I mean, just just again, going back to the whole financial aspect of it, you know, we're going to see a, a lot of things come from that, not just counting the virus, but all the peripheral kind of side effects that it's going to have the ripple effect. 
It may change the way we work. It may change how certain jobs, like we're, we're not going to know the economic fallout for a long time either. Like if there were responses going on right now, we'll be successful in stabilizing things. It's altogether possible uh, that we could, we talk about this being topical. It could still be going on a year from now when we're doing show f- whatever, 400. Well, economical either way. I mean, working in the hotel industry and this one, I got my ass laid off on Monday because nobody's hiring anybody if you're shutting down all your hotels. So, yep. yeah. And of course, I'm in education. All the schools are shut down. And I work in, you know, uh, not in healthcare, but I work with healthcare providers. So I, I, I have job stability, but, you know, they're making everybody go home to yep. work. And it's crazy. Yeah. And Patrick deals with degenerate. They're going, but I'm not, I'm not showing up to work. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I guess the takeaway is uh, it jokes. I hope we made you laugh, but uh, yeah, be safe. Yeah. Just us tossing this out there. Hand sanitizer is great, but washing your hands is better. <laughs> and, I, I, Amer- and staying home is best. Uh, Americans tend to like be into whatever's going on in the moment. Like everybody's into panicking right now. Oh, I'm going to stay home. couple weeks, a month, people are going to start to get bored and say, well, I got to go back to my life. No, don't don't go out and party and say whatever comes comes. Fuck that. You're you're gonna kill somebody. Right. And for all you spring breakers that are out in Florida right now, fuck you. Oh, by the by the time people hear this show, there will be no spring break. They shut down all the beaches and all the bars today when oh, we recorded good. the show. Good. So yeah, by the time the show goes up, uh, that's not gonna be a thing. Yeah, because that video of those people, those kids down at spring break, I wanted to punch all of them. Yeah. I just I hope this is to a point where either we have something to help treat it or that it's at least subsided until next year. So because I have a wedding coming up in October and I'd like to be able to have it. Who's wedding? <laughs> you're, you're getting married. Yeah. Initially, I we, we thought, you know, everything was going to be OK, but we had a very serious talk about it last night that, you know, what what happens if if it's not? to a point hey, where we can have if it gather. comes down to it i'll just live stream you me getting drunk i mean that's what's going to happen anyway yeah i'm not too too worried about not being able to do public gatherings at all in october i mean i can't rule it out but yeah we do instant game show at gen con at this point i am not particularly confident that gen con is going to happen same here they haven't said not no yet but yeah a lot of things down the road are getting pushed back or canceled well yeah and at this point schools are supposed to reopen in this state in 11 days i don't think that's happening well in kansas they've shut it down until next year then i think that's the yeah. trend that's going to happen las vegas is closed pretty much yeah. that's fucked up right there las las vegas when they're closing casinos that's something because casinos stay open even when they're on fire did you see the before and after pictures of the strip no, not yet. Yeah, there's the lights turned out. It is creepy. Like there's some lights on, but you, you, if you look at the like aerial view of the strip before it started shutting down, and like from the last two or three days, it's weird. Wow. Well, it's like Disney World or Disneyland. You know, they show that that's completely empty, and they're losing what like two hundred fifty million dollars a day or something like that. Uh, it's just it's f- <clears throat> fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, don't panic. It's it's like on the internet, there's only two reactions that people believe you can have. You either have to run around like everything's on fire, buy all the toilet paper, and shriek. 
or you have to pretend like nothing's going on, where I think the reasonable reaction is in the middle. It's like, take this seriously. This could still be with us in six months, could even still be with us in 12 months. You have to be realistic, but this is not the end of the world. Right. I mean, right now, like when we when we go out, I I did some shopping a couple days ago and it was one of those, you know, maybe I'll grab one extra thing of eggs. Maybe I'll grab another thing of bacon. Sure. Yeah. It's like, you know, maybe I could be stuck in the house for 12 days. I'm here anyway. Fuck it. Let's not have to go out one more time if I don't need to. Exactly. Now, I, me being in a home with three women, getting a little tight sometimes. (laughs) It's just like a couple of times during this last week where I've come out of, you know, I've been walking around the house. like, I know I live with other people. I do not know (laughs) where they are, but I'm not going to be calling out to anybody. Well, and and I'm the kind of person that when I go grocery shopping, I buy for the next week. And I, I, I'm very minimalistic when it comes to food in the house. I don't like things to go bad and I don't like to overbuy. I, I buy what I need, maybe a little bit of extra for certain things, and then that's it. And then if I run out, I go back, I get more, and I just, you know, keep it. And this is the first time in a long time that I've gone to the store and I didn't go crazy. I just brought one extra week's worth of stuff. Because if for some reason there was a required quarantine that everybody had to be in their houses or if for some reason somebody got sick and we were stuck here for two weeks, I want to make sure that we have enough provisions, but I didn't go overboard. And it's weird. I, I, I don't know how to buy like that. <laughs> yeah. Last last Friday, went to Aldi and they had literally the there was 10, 20, 34, maybe, maybe 30 feet of the meat section. And the only thing left two packages of cube steak. Guess what we had for dinner two days ago? Capuchin monkey. Capuchin <laughs> monkey. Because fuck those monkeys. No, it... Um, monkey jerky. It, it's, and, but now I went... I actually was there today, and it's full. The process, the way things we have set are working. And as long as people don't freak the fuck out again, I think we'll be all right. I like to think we're... I, I'm trying... Me, of all people, is like trying to put the faith in people not being ridiculous yeah i will say i wouldn't want to have a non-covid 19 related injury or something else that required hospitalization yes Mm -hmm. i've actually been in an emergency room in the last week and we were there for five hours we weren't both there sarah was there for five hours and we never saw a doctor wow it was just like it isn't this serious uh just go home get out of there make sure the people who need the spot this does not appear to be life-threatening, and this place is already. And this was before stuff started to run out at the stores. And not to mention, you don't want to catch something yourself being, you know. Yep. For sure. So, yeah, uh, that's uh, we bailed, and now i got to believe it's even worse. So, yeah, it's not just the, oh, well, this thing probably statistically won't kill me. Well, no, but if you need to go to the hospital for literally anything else, uh, you might be fucked. Well, and I'd just like to give a shout out to all of the healthcare workers and all of the educators, because uh, these people are bending over backwards to make sure that our kids are still educated and that, you know, there's still healthcare in place for the people that need it. And, you know, it just, I can't even imagine having to work, trying to teach kids from home. And I know that's what your family has always done, Mike. So yeah, props to Susie. (laughs) Um, Everybody's a homeschooler now, right? Seeing how the kids, how my kids are having to to do this and how the teachers are handling 
education now. And then I know a lot of people that work in hospitals here. And it's like, you know, I just, the, the amount of overtime and the risks they're taking to their own health, it's just all the credit. It's amazing. All right. Well, we started off uh, super jokey and we've gotten a little serious. So are we ready to give our thumbs up, thumbs down or? And then yeah. Get back to the dick and fart jokes. Yeah. Uh, for me, although I was a, a marginal thumbs up on outbreak before I saw contagion, uh, unfortunately, comparing the two, the first originally suffered so much in comparison that it pushes it over the line. I'm going to have to go thumbs down and then a major thumbs up for contagion. Mm, I'm going to have to go with yes and yes on these. I, I'm giving a thumbs up on both of them. If you look at them as being in two completely different categories, as one being a Hollywood-esque type of, like I said before, cotton candy, ooh, there's a virus, it's killing everybody, what are we going to do type of movie? Yeah, Outbreak was all right. I enjoyed it. Now, Contagion, if you're looking for more of a drama, if you're looking for something that that will give you a, a holy shit, this could happen type of feel, you know, that might be, that's more of your, that's more of a thing. But I give them both thumbs up. You know, I will give this to you, Mike. Uh, if you're prone to panic attacks, watch the first one and not the second one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I will give this to you, Mike. That was the longest thumbs up, thumbs down ever. <laughs> Wait till next week. Yeah, no, I'm thumbs up for both. I didn't hate the first one enough to give it a thumbs down. It just, it's, I think it would have benefited greatly by losing the helicopter chase scene and everything else would have been fine. But that was really a kind of jump the shark moment. But yeah, overall thumbs up and a big thumbs up for the, for, yeah, contagion. Uh, well, thumbs down for outbreak still. Definitely a thumbs up for contagion. Hmm. All right. So what do we have on tap for next week, gentlemen? All right. Uh, next week, we are finally getting around to a show that I'm very excited about. We're going to be talking about uh, High Fidelity, the uh, 2000 original film and the 2019 retelling series. All right. And yeah, uh, if you have any stories about how COVID-19 is affecting you or your family, I know we have a lot of listeners from around the globe. Please let us know. Give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Yep, and if you are looking for any of our older stuff, like I said before, uh, we are on uh, I, Apple Podcasts. We are on Google Podcasts. If you just Google our name, Forty Go Fourteen, you will find our page, and and definitely join us on our uh, Discord chat. There is a link on our Facebook page for that. And if you want to toss a little our way to keep this this show uh, up and running, while all you know, two thirds of us, three thirds of us, or whatever, are three fourths of us. Who's the fourth person? Would you like to buy Mike some fractions? Yes. (laughs) The uh, Kofi link and uh, buy us coffee and help us keep things running. Thanks for listening. So we're all just going to go visit Patrick. Is that what that is? I've tried to get everybody to come down here. We we talked about it, yeah. I promised them smoke brisket and honky tonks and they won't they won't come down here. We were like, ooh, smoke brisket. Oh, honky tonks. Oh. <laughs> Go home to Kansas City, I'll get all that. I just thought that was the name of two strippers. <laughs> <laughs> Taking the stage, smoked brisket. <laughs>
That chick would make a ton of money. <laughs> My name is Kid Rock. <laughs> My name is Pulled Pork. <laughs> bow with the bow the barbecue. Sausage, sausage. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>